everybody. Welcome to the 15th episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies may have inspired it. Uh, today on the show is part one of a week of movies about crazy true life stories. Um, today we're going to be talking about Tag, and then later this week I'll be posting an episode about American Animals. Um, but first up, before we get into the episode, just want to remind you all to please subscribe to the show, whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, or really any podcast app. Subscribe to the show, rate and review the show, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at PiecingPod, and uh, get involved with the show you can contact me directly at bydavidrosen at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, or you could join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group, where we've been having a lot of great conversations about all different kinds of movies, as well as continuing the conversations about the movies we talk about here on this show. So it's a lot of fun, and we want to definitely invite you to be a part of it. We want to uh, open that up to a lot of different people. Start maybe getting some of you on the show as well. So uh, this week, today, we are talking about the movie Tag. Uh, Tag is a ridiculous new comedy uh, from director Jeff Tomsick. It stars Ed Helms, Jake Johnson, Hannibal Barres, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner, Leslie Bibb, Isla Fisher, Rashida Jones. It's a huge comedy cast, uh, and it is about a group of friends who get together every year to play a game of tag ever since they were kids. And uh, one of them, played by Jeremy Renner, has never been tagged, and he's about to get married, and all kinds of comedy hijinks ensue. Um, it's one of these ridiculous man-child comedy movies, and uh, it's pretty fun. We'll get into it on the show. Joining me on this episode is my buddy Ryan Darty, who I always enjoy regressing to man-child with. All right, so I've got with me today on the show again, Ryan Doherty. And uh, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, not too shabby. Good to be here. I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded an episode. This is I know way too know. early for me. I mean, you know, t 10 a.m., you've been up for a while, but this was like... Step yeah, I, for ten, but for nine fifty nine kind of situation for me. I'm making this a big day. I'm recording a bunch of episodes. I'm cleaning the house. I, <laughs> I, I got a lot to do. Today, I'm doing man. the same actually. So <laughs> I'm surrounded by like debris in my apartment right now that will eventually nice. be cleaned. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my studio. One of these days, it'll get there. But I don't know. Right now, there's a path to the chair. That's about it. But, yeah, fire, uh, fire safety is important. <laughs> Maybe I'll post a picture in the episode notes or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're doing today a movie that, quite frankly, I wasn't even going to see. Um, but you said you were going to see it, and I was like, yeah. all right, maybe we'll do an episode on it since you're seeing it. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll get into it here, but the movie is Tag. And uh, part of the reason I actually wanted to do this one was because I kind of felt bad because I made fun of it on a podcast recently. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> made fun of the trailer and i was like oh that's not me to be so negative and mean about a movie you know <laughs> was, was it the trailer that is just like the complete ripoff of the sherlock holmes thing yes that exactly was the only that was the only trailer i had seen going into the movie 
Yeah, because I watched that trailer in the theater and I was just like, like, is this funny? Like, you yeah. know, and I was just like, I just thought it was the worst trailer I'd seen like in a long time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the movie isn't as bad as the trailer uh, made it out to be as far as I'm concerned. I, you know, it's not great, but I mean, you know, we'll get into it as the episode <laughs> goes on. But uh, yeah, it wasn't as bad as the trailer made it out to be. Uh, I, I appreciate way. you with the 900 movies a year you see. Seeing one that I said, hey, I'm going to see this. Should we do an episode on it? And I said, maybe. I mean, like, I, like, no, I've got, like, a Swedish art film right now to go see in theaters five times. I'm not going to go see John Hamm push Jake Johnson around because I'm too good for that. So uh, I'd say let's jump right into yeah. this. Yeah. Um what do you have for your first puzzle piece for tag? So I am going to start off with, um, which one should I talk about first? I think I'm going to lead off with key and peel the TV show, um, okay. for a reason that's not as obvious as you would think, like with the humor. So one thing I really did actually like about tag was, um, and we were discussing that this was kind of actually a really difficult movie to do because very few movies influenced more than a scene or two, I thought. And when they did, it sure. was like very, very obvious. It was like, okay, we're doing a Matrix parody now. But um, every time they did cut to like an homage to a specific type of movie, usually an action movie, um, they did a really good job of like mirroring the cinematography and the look of those things. Like whoever was like the director of photography and the regular director, like they committed together to like do that. And if you watch um, Key and Peele, the sketch show, is one thing that they don't get a lot of credit for is when they are doing a parody of almost anything, they uh, they really lock in like the visual style of that thing they're parodying. Like if you look at clips of theirs out of context from the show, sometimes it does straight up look like a movie, or it doesn't just do the Saturday Night Live of like, haha, we've right. got characters from the Matrix, or the easy, oh, we did a bullet time joke. Like they get the color grading right, the cinematography right, the right, angles right. right. Um, and that was something that Kim Peel always paid a lot of attention to. So I think spiritually, this whole movie kind of reminded me of that because it was almost like a series of sketches in that way of like, we're doing the Bourne movies now. So we're going to kind of do that camera style and we're going to do and. You know, so it almost like I almost want to say like like I almost debated citing like one of the scary movie movies or something like that. Right. But like right. this is like because of the whole it's jumping from parody to parody. Um, but I, I think Kim Peel specifically um, doing that is I think much more citing that is much more complimentary towards like the technical capacity of the movie and stuff like that. I, I wonder if this director Jeff Tomsig, I wonder if he could pull off. We talked about this recently. Um, I think it was on the Deadpool episode. A, a good modern parody, like a spoof movie. Um, because, you know, obviously, like you said, this guy does seem to have an eye for, um, you know, for doing things justice when, when it comes to yeah. parodying and not, not just being a cheap, you know, takeoff. Um, yeah. That would be interesting to see. Because you're right. Yeah, you do actually make a good point there with the Key and Peele because uh, they do – they do take things to a step above the usual parody um, and 
and making things look like the source material. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. I think that they are doing that in this movie in that it, um, it, it gives it a whole nother level whether or not the jokes lands necessarily sure. is another story, sure. but certainly the look of it, though, uh, they're definitely taking it to a place that, yeah. you know, it probably wouldn't have gone with with uh, another director. No, no. Like if like a Farrelly brother directed it or something like that, because uh, sure. I, I remember reading like an AV Club article that was talking about how like a good thing about Kim Peel is if you like watch their sketches on mute, depending on the sketch, you might not even know you're watching sketch comedy. Um like sometimes they really do just nail the visual style so well that you're like, Oh, this must just be like a clip from a drama or something like that. So <laughs> I definitely, there are moments that if you watched tag out of context on mute, you would be like, Oh my God, we just walked into a horror movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. We're watching the cannibal burst fight the predator or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the absolute other end of the spectrum, uh, <laughs> my first puzzle piece is actually the movie Grown Ups, the okay. uh, the Adam Sandler Happy Madison. I still haven't uh, seen that one. Yeah, it's you know I haven't it gets seen a, any modern Adam Sandler to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't blame you necessarily, but yeah. I will say that Grown Ups, um, out of all of his recent output of the last 20 years or whatever, it, it's probably the better one, mainly mm -hmm. because they're at least having fun with it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's still dumb as shit. And <laughs> it's still, you know, just a bunch of friends just getting together, going right, on a vacation right. together with a video camera, you know. Um, but at least they're having fun with it. And yeah. also, as far as the story is concerned... Uh, which I would say tag it, they are they do seem to be having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but as far as the story is concerned, I mean it's basically the same thing except for it's a bunch of kid games instead mm -hmm. of just tag. It, it's them getting together and playing baseball and doing whatever other shit it is that people do when they go away for the summer. I don't know because I don't have any friends, but um, <laughs> but but it's basically the same kind of setup of them all getting back together. Okay, we gotta have the uh, the piecing it together summer camp where we all just get together and reenact the movie, grown ups. At, like, uh, did you did you did you do the like very stereotypical like Jewish summer camp thing when you were a kid? And I stuff? I did. I actually okay. went to Jewish summer camp. There yeah, you go. for yeah. six I was, years. I, everyone I I grew up in a very Jewish hometown, so like everyone went to summer camp besides me. And there was like a moment, I, like, I was just like, God, I just, this is, of all the reasons to convert, this is up there. Like, to be able to have something to do during the sunny days when I'm schwitzing and things like that. Yeah. Good, when good I, when, I, when, good I, when I'm vetching about the heat. <laughs> a little less good than your schwitzing, but that was still good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that I, I love that idea by the way i'm just a little worried i'd end up being the kevin james of that uh, oh god that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah I, I i'm gonna watch all those all those uh i'm probably gonna start with the hotel transylvania ones because at least those ones are like, oh, yeah. meant to be kids movies and i think that's like directed by like the dexter's lab and samurai jack guy and stuff like that so i'd feel like a little better about supporting my childhood while also like subsidizing like David Spade's cocaine habit or something like that. So, <laughs> so what would your next puzzle piece be? Actually, so for a very similar reason for what you're talking about, um, I was trying to think of another good example of a show that was um, the whole like 
because I really did feel like those guys grew up together in tag, um, which I thought was was a very good job. Like the the way they talk, the shorthand, the way they do like they'll um, like a great example was honestly the. Um, well, I punched him in the ass. Well, did you punch him in the asshole or did you punch him in the ass conversation? Which is such a mm. dumb aside that wasn't necessarily funny, but it's very much the kind of thing that like real friends would be like, actually, we do have this one specific bylaw in our friendship. So um, I'm going to go with the TV show on FX, The League, because mm. um, that have you seen that show before? You know, I've never watched it. I and I'm not got, a sports guy, but I also think I would love it. It's got a I, lot I of really rough episodes, but it's also got a, little, a lot of really high moments. And since that show is mostly improvised, you really get the feeling that the guys are just kind of hanging out, having fun. But most importantly, is the in, the entire premise of that show is they are always going to extremes to get this trophy, which is the prize for winning their fantasy football league. And the trophy is like a shrine to a girl that they all had a crush on in middle school. And the trophy is like decorated with all these things that they had in like elementary school. And the minute you get these people together, they immediately become man children again and will like take things way too far. Like there are episodes where like they almost murder or kidnap someone because it'll help them win in their fantasy football league in some way. And just looking for examples of like, oh, people who grew up together who then like go off and become mature adults. But the minute you put them together again, become like 12 year olds and take things way too far. Um, I feel like I got to go yeah. <laughs> with the league for that. And I was trying to think of better examples. Um, but it was also very appropriate because uh, Leslie Bibb, who plays the bridezilla in this movie uh, was by far the worst part of the league. And she teetered <laughs> on being the worst part of this movie a few times. So sure, yeah. that was that was also real quick. I had no idea who that woman playing the reporter character was. And about halfway through in my mind, I just decided that it was definitely Ivanka Trump taking a break because <laughs> I don't really know what Ivanka Trump looks like, but I'm pretty sure she looks pretty much like that girl. So I just said, like, yeah, this was a thing like. Daddy, you're president. Can you get me in a movie with John Hamm? And he's like, I'll see what I can do. And next thing you know, she's tagging along following it. Next thing you know, inappropriate touching. And then... Yep, yeah. I got to admit, like, as far as things that would establish the mood for this movie, the scene where John Hamm goes, like, you didn't think of this and throws the chair at the glass and immediately bounces off and hits him in the face. I think that perfectly sets the tone for this movie of like they're that was all... probably the best part of the movie, actually, now that you mention it. There was there was <laughs> a, a really lot good of, joke. Like, like I'm not usually a physical humor kind of guy, and I'm not usually like a laughing because someone got hit in the balls kind of guy. Um right, but this right. movie had a lot of physical humor that I, like I, I was dying laughing in theaters during this movie. So nice. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, you mentioned the Ivanka Trump character. Uh, I completely forgot that was a character in this movie until you, you just made that joke. Because she was there about, just to uh, be you, basically. Yeah. Yeah, she was yeah, she was the the audience, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and she disappears for entire portions of the movie, oh, yeah, too. Yeah. So. She's just uh, holding the camera. Which is I think that's us falling asleep in the theater. But, um, <laughs> um so yeah, along those lines, my next puzzle piece, um, which I think is probably the most obvious one, sure. um, 
is Judd Apatow movies. Yeah. Um, especially 40 year old virgin and knocked up. Yeah. Um, but a ton of, a ton of other ones that he only produced, uh, like I love you, man. And, uh, Lots of other ones, but yeah, I, um, I got basically the, the horrible bosses vibes from this movie. Oh, sure, like, absolutely. I, I double check specifically if it was those writers, like John Francis Daly and the other guy he always works with. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was about the humor, but I definitely picked up those vibes even more so than like Judd Apatow. Sure, and I actually have that listed too. I have horrible bosses as another puzzle piece. So I guess we'll combine oh, them, uh, Judd Apatow, and but no, it's okay. Whoever the horrible bosses guys are, which I know they've been doing quite a few movies lately, um, but uh, yeah, it's a similar kind of man children type of a subgenre of modern comedy, and um, you know, th this is definitely kind of a uh, you know kind of a depending on who you ask, high or low point of that subgenre because yeah. I mean, you know, playing tag, you know, is seriously like, you know, the ultimate in this kind of a thing. And, you know, these men are all <laughs> absolutely children and not okay with uh, growing up whatsoever. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a high or low. Point. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So what is your next puzzle piece? Okay. So I, I'm so happy to be able to talk about this on the show now, finally, because this is probably my favorite television show, uh, which is the TV show community. Um, okay. Now, are you familiar with at the very least the paintball episodes of community? Those are normally the most famous episodes of the show. No, I've heard them referenced before, but okay. I've never, never actually seen so, it. So Community is definitely a show that will, like, three times a season go all in on their parody episodes. And uh, the first paintball episode by Community is arguably um, my favorite half hour of television of all time because it's literally the same kind of thing. So um, in Community, one thing they do real good is episodes where they take a childish game and everyone just cares about it to the point where like the entire college campus becomes a dystopia because just everyone is obsessed <laughs> with that game. So like in uh, the first community episode, there's a paintball competition and the dude wakes up later and the whole town, the whole college campus just looks like 28 days later, walking dead. And then it turns into Terminator and then it turns it. And it's uh, it's like directed by Justin Lin who went on to do the fast and furious and stuff like that but sure, um, yeah. but they do a couple episodes like that every season and one of the ones that really stuck in my mind was in the most recent season uh or the second most recent season they did uh the floor is lava episode and by the end of that episode like people have like built like empires out of chairs there's buildings on like a saloon built on top of cafeteria tables just all these things and like people will set crazy elaborate traps like ken jiang will jump out of the ceiling on like stilts being like i'm gonna knock you into the lava and stuff like that and it just <laughs> it, and and they, they've done this with multiple different things they've done they've done this with dungeons and dragons they've done this with paintball they've done this with the floor is lava um 
they've done this with like a game about like sliding a quarter into someone's ass crack. Like they take all these really childish things and then just take it to like, not just 11, but they take it to like fucking 40 and the entire, like, <laughs> and there's so much collateral damage and there's always like innocent bystanders who are like, why isn't this place normal? And I was just getting vibes <laughs> of that the entire time watching, especially during like the, um, the the scene in the church with the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting because like that and the wedding because those were kind of the moments in the movie where there were bystanders and like clearly you could see sure. different people were on different levels of caring about this game uh, even within the group of like right. Hannibal Burris being like yeah whatever we're we're playing a game and then like innocent bystanders being terrified and Jeremy Renner like just like wire fooing his way across like the roof of the building and stuff like that. That was an excellent Hannibal Burress impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, they, they really leaned into the state. Like no one was cast against form in this movie. Oh no, not at all. They were, might as well have had their, their actual names. Right. Like, like Isla like, Fisher always plays the like crazy over the top driven. She was, she was fantastic. She's fantastic in everything. I think. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. Jeremy Renner, Jeremy, Renner, I did not think his jokes land like any of his jokes landed. Like he was a little too douchey the entire time that it like killed his comedic time yeah. for me for some reason. Um, but yeah, like everyone, like but um, Hannibal Burris, like didn't even have a character. He was just there to make observations. And I think like when, <laughs> when Comedy Central gave him a TV show, literally the premise of the show was just Hannibal Burris like having shower thoughts about. <laughs> life and kind of just <laughs> half saying them in front of the audience but so I, yeah that, that's that's the side to like they didn't really take any risks there in that movie besides putting rashida jones like front and center on the posters and then having her in the movie for 45 seconds yeah i uh, may not realize it was rashida jones she looked whiter <laughs> than usual like she looks super white. Yeah, she she yeah. looked real white in that episode in that movie. So yeah, I, th I thought it was uh, what's her name from uh, from Party Down. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I haven't I seen that one. Actress's name right now. No, but, not yeah, Judy Lynch her. or whatever, or whatever her name. Is. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um. So my next puzzle piece um is actually a couple of characters okay. um, which is the Flash and Quicksilver. Okay. Uh, Every time Jeremy Renner, you know, puts everything to slow motion time yeah. and talks to himself as he completely uh, outdoes everybody. Yeah, um, yeah that, that reminded me of all those scenes uh, from whatever X-Men movie that was. And then yeah, Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Um, like in the, the first class scene when he goes and does all the goofy stuff and he's like fucking with everyone. Um, yep, exactly. There's definitely like, yeah, he's basically, <laughs> basically that. There's a couple, like, I, now that I think about it, that you mentioned that, that's like a very common trope and like kiddish time travel movies where someone will like pause time and like set up a lot of like goofy things. Like, they don't just escape the situation, they escape the situation and yeah. also make it so like the bad guy's pants get pulled down or something like that. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 I mean, that's required, that's right? It's hilarious. Of, I was say, that, was, that was in this movie too. So, um, also, if we're, really quick, talking about Jeremy Renner to pull the pants off, is I had not, it was not clear to me the one time I saw the commercial and at first watching the movie that he was just punching him in the butt a lot. 
And I definitely thought he was literally just punching him the balls like 19 times. And I was like, so I guess that's where we're going with this. Like, I don't know a lot about war crimes or the Geneva Convention, but I'm fairly certain coming up behind your friend and punching them in the back of the scrotum 19 times, like merits the death penalty. Like, like you definitely get like hung for that. So at first I was like, that was like a real bad start for liking Jeremy Renner's character. Cause that was like his first scene on screen too. Is like, Oh, okay. So you punch your friends in the balls 19 times just cause they tried to yeah. tag you Jesus. And then later they clarify, no, 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 it was the butt. And I'm like, all right, that's <laughs> thank you for going back and addressing my concern movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of uh, one of the the problems with the structure of this movie. And I'm about to do a second Absolutely. puzzle piece in a row here uh, just, just because it fits into the conversation. But um, Jeremy Renner's character, even though he's part of this group of friends, because he's so separated from them, it, it almost gives him like a bad guy vibe. Yeah. It, I, and it's, I was, it's, I was it's difficult that. because it, it makes it hard to – yeah, it makes it hard to, like, identify with these being friends. Yes. And, uh, and, and they sort of touch that, on that, that leads at the to, end of the movie, but – Yeah, they do a little bit, yeah. Um, that, that leads to, like, another puzzle piece I had here, which is basically movies where the bad guy is a genius and always two steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. Um, a, f- a few examples I had written down uh, were Seven, Zodiac, The Usual Suspects, and The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking like um, Skyfall style or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall is another good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's basically the villain, even though he's supposed to be a part of this group of friends. And, you know, it, it works to a degree uh, because it, it, it gives them something to yeah. do trying to, to catch this guy. If he was catchable, it would be... You know, it wouldn't be the same movie. Yeah. Um, he needs to be completely uncatchable. But at the same time, it, it makes it hard to consider them a complete group yeah, of friends. Yeah. It seems like he's just some other yeah. guy. That was definitely something that I thought was a double-edged sword for this movie. Was on one hand, I, I sort of loved how low stakes it was. And that right. there really was no true bad guy. Um, and part of that made me, by the end of the movie, like it a lot more. While I was watching it, not so much, but like once it was all wrapped up and resolved. But um, another thing that like was really, I, I thought really didn't land was um, for like the 10 minutes where they tried to make his wife be the bad guy, Jeremy Renner's wife, like um, right, when they right. were like tearing into her for how bad the miscarriage was. And I was like, yeah. Seven minutes ago on camera, Isla Fisher was like, let's waterboard a human being. Like, <laughs> I would absolutely say that waterboarding a human is worse than faking a miscarriage. Um, I would say yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're all like, oh, my God, how could she do this? This is disgusting. And in my head, I'm like, you guys should be thrilled. Like, no one's wife should be happy about a grown man playing a game like this. And your buddy <laughs> just found a wife who was like set up a long con three days in advance with an emergency backup plan. Like you should be right. That's like finding out that like, you know, your D and D group, like someone in the group is getting married and it turns out the girl is like, Oh, I play too. I'm going to DM for you guys now. And awesome. Here's like some new fancy gear to use or something. You should be thrilled. You shouldn't be mad 
mad that she's better at your yeah. fucking game than you are. Like that almost makes it like one of those movies where like a girl joins the team and the girl is better than all the guys and the guys are just mad about that just because it's a girl being better and she's not quote in on it or something. But yeah, for about 10 minutes. Which does make sense a little bit because they are children. Right, you know, right. so but it kind of makes sense. There's actually a lot that this movie you can get away with by just hand waving that they're like regressing. And it, it's not necessarily yeah. a cheap excuse <laughs> in this context. Right. I think it's like perfectly justified. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it was, that was, that was a weird moment where they were like really trying to set her up as like the big bad guy for a few minutes. And then like, it was great because the actress clearly did not acknowledge that. And like the script didn't either. Like it almost felt like the script or the director, one of them wanted her to come across as more of a bad guy than the other one did. Because everyone's like, you're... Well, you said you said earlier that the the movie is set up like a series of sketches. Yeah. So it's almost like they're completely interconnected. Yeah. And no, no, none of the outcomes of any of these sketches affect what what happens in a, you know, a future right, sketch. Right, right. As so, long you know, as at the end of the sketch, Jeremy Renner is not tagged, then we go to the, exactly. we go to the That's next all that set piece. You know what? Actually, it <laughs> sort of reminded me of in a way. I'm just thinking about this now. But like... Um, sort of talking about what you're talking about where the villain knows everything, but specifically like, um, movies where the bad guy is like globe trotting and the villains kind of keep catching up to them. Sorry. The good guys keep catching up to him like mm. 10 minutes later. Cause it was always a different set piece for the same thing. And in this movie, it's very constrained. All the set pieces oh, are good. like different buildings in the same town, but like structurally it's exactly the same as, you know, James Bond lands in Beijing and they're like, all right, we think we know where he is in Beijing right now. And they go to the casino and the bad guy escapes. And then, 20 minutes later, it's like, okay, we're in Belarus. We definitely know where the bad guy yeah. is in Belarus. And he keeps just like being like, haha. We could put down any, any Vin Diesel movie. We sure, could put down. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then like Jamie Renner is just like, surprise. I bought all of Belarus. Like everyone in Belarus right. works for me. <laughs> Suck a dick. Bam, and just flies away. <laughs> <laughs> and then punches him in the balls. A oh my god! No, that's a war crime. <laughs> it has to be in the ass, but not in the asshole. Um, that's a very, very important <laughs> distinction. It was one of the amendments. <laughs> so, did you have any other uh, puzzle pieces? I feel like from now, like we should probably do a rundown of some of the obvious ones. Like there was a lot of Guy Ritchie scenes. Um, like especially mm. like you know the the scenes that were pure Sherlock Holmes, just him planning step by step what he's going to do and then do it. Um, the woods yeah. was pure Ramy uh, or Rami. I don't know how it's pronounced, but um, like, you know, just Ramey. nothing but evil dead, like for a solid 10 minutes while they're in the woods, um, including the direct shot of the camera running up to Hannibal Burris's face, yep. which was a nice, Absolutely. <laughs> a nice way to confirm that you weren't just imagining the vibes um, they had some Matrix. They had some Born. Um, trying to think if there were any other fight scenes. That I was like, oh, the, it felt very Jackie Chanish at times. Um, the whole, the whole, um, like uh, when they caught him in the AA meeting, I thought felt very Jackie Chan-y Of like, especially the moment when he steps on the oh, when sure. he steps on the tall pile of chairs and then like rides it down or whatever like that was pure sure. taking advantage of the fact that Absolutely. jeremy renner like used to be like a stunt man or something like i think he did um 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, An- another one to add to this list you're doing right now is um, uh, the Kingsman movies. I still haven't seen those, but it um, was very Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's got he, he's got a very his I like Matthew Vaughn's style a bit more than Guy Ritchie's, but they're similar enough that I can usually kind of group them together. Uh, but that's definitely sure, a absolutely. good example. I'm trying to think if there's any other specific scene i mean you know wedding crashers is like technically an obvious one to cite as a as an overall movie example like a movie with isla fisher about dudes ruining a wedding for a childish reason like that's that's pure wedding crashers right there um absolutely i don't know this like i said this was a weird one for us like we yeah it is it is a weird we, one we talked a lot before yeah and i, I only had one other okay. movie i only had one other movie written down here uh and that's actually just going with what you were just saying and that's the hangover yeah, yeah. um more, more more specifically though because uh someone trying to get ed helms into another hit movie i am um, not an ed helms <laughs> the reason i had it in general i thought he was fine in this movie but I, I've never been uh-huh. super into him in general. But otherwise, like, this was a rock star cast, especially on paper. Um, like, it was yeah. – this was, like, the o- Ocean's Eleven movie for comedy and stuff like that. Like, this was definitely, like, bringing back the Brat Pack of, like, let's get everyone <laughs> who's pretty funny nowadays and toss them into this movie. But – I'm, I'm definitely hoping also this movie's going to, like, launch a couple more careers because, like – like Jake Johnson, you know, still keeps trying to get a little more famous, and Hannibal Burris. I... Yeah, he's he's a he's a big steen stiller. Everything he's in, he's always like the funniest oh, yeah, thing. He's, he's um, great, but it, it's a matter of when they're gonna find something for him. That it, is, it's because right he keeps thing, playing Nick Miller know? from from New Girl. Like like the sure like Chili's character was a stoner, but he was still grumpy and whatever during the. Um, like, like he was just still Nick Miller from New Girl, just being grumpy and complaining and yelling. Like the whole part where he was saying, like, now I don't ever want to say that you deserve a miscarriage, but I hope if you get a miscarriage that you remember that like that is pure a hundred percent a character that that Jake Johnson has been doing on screen for like seven years now. Like that was like <laughs> again, super cast to type there. Like not a lot of not a yeah. lot of reaching. Uh, but and then Hannibal Burris, you know, like I, I I don't think he should be a leading man in anything. He's like a great he's like a <laughs> like but you sprinkle him a little around in the background, like use him in a movie the way you use Keenan Thompson on Saturday Night Live, and it's perfect. Just cut to him occasionally being right. man, what? And you're good, like. And then John Hamm. There's that impression again. That's great. Zero. Um, something really great. My dad described to me two days ago, which I had never thought of it out loud. But once he said it, it made perfect sense to me. Because him and I were talking about how much we love John Hamm. Because, um, like, for example, I mm. still almost exclusively know John Hamm as a comedic actor. I've never seen Breaking. Uh, sorry, I've never seen Mad Men. Me too. Actually. I've never seen any dramas he's done. But like I know, yeah, I've only seen a few episodes. Of yeah, Mad but uh, but I know, I'm in the same you know, he does comedy Bang Bang, he does Thirty Rock, he um, he shows up in British shows all the time as like bit roles as a comedian. That's always really fun. Um, mm-hmm. But so I know him as all this, but also like, you know, he's like a pretty good singer, and he's a really good dramatic actor, and he's just like you know a gorgeous human being. And my dad was like, I feel the way that like 
the way everyone else says they feel about George Clooney, that's how I feel about John Hamm. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. Because I've never really been on the Clooney train either. But like everything that everyone that's says great. about George Clooney is exactly what I say about John Hamm and stuff like that. And when my dad put it in those words, I was like, that's perfect. Like, like just now we, that we just is need really to remake Ocean's that. Eleven, but with John Hamm as George Clooney. And then we'll just cycle down. We'll have George Clooney be Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt will be Matt Damon. Uh, Elliot Gold will be everyone else. Matt Damon will have a cameo. I would be okay with Elliot Gold playing every single character in Ocean's Eleven. Like I, I'll watch that man say anything on screen. Especially watching him talk to himself. I don't know why I got on that tangent, but that's. I think I when we it. ask what I'm plugging at the end of this, I'm going to be talking about an Elliot Gold one man show of some kind. I need to start improvising something now. A commercial for a one man screening of Caligula starring Elliot Gold. I'll give you some time to start oh, thinking God. about that while I run down the, uh, the finished puzzle right now. All right, so the finished puzzle we have. Key and Peel, The League, Community, Grown Ups, Judd Apatow movies, obviously, Horrible Bosses, uh, the characters of The Flash and Quicksilver, um, movies where the bad guy is a genius, like Seven or Zodiac or Usual Suspects or The Dark Knight or Skyfall, um, movies where the uh, villain is globetrotting around the world, like Bond movies or Vin Diesel movies. Uh, we got Guy Ritchie as a director, Sam Raimi is a director, uh, Matthew Vaughn is a director, or specifically the Kingsman, um, also the Matrix, the, the Bourne series, Jackie Chan movies, uh, also Wedding Crashers, and The Hangover. I and none of those it. feel that's... like great inspirations, though. I still have to admit, like, like we, <laughs> like, like, so, so Dave and I never sync up beforehand about these, and part of that is usually because he takes notes, and I like make three mental notes while watching the movie, and then don't think about it again until we get here, and then like halfway through talking I'm about it, I'll remember that I've never seen the movie. I've just Wikipedia'd it, and I'm like fake remembering that I've seen it before. <laughs> Uh, but this one, like him and I synced up multiple times because we discussed like, do we just want to do the obvious things like the Raimi born, so on and so forth? Do we want to try not touch those at all? So then we sort of set it on like I was going to look for like spiritual inspirations in television or something. So like, right, right. like yeah, in retrospect, hearing it, though, like it was still this was a rough one to get inspirations for. <laughs> It's it's funny. Um, it, it, this is actually I'm going to be putting this up early sure. in the week, and I'm planning on making this a uh, uh, an inspired by a true story oh, week okay. on piecing it together. And uh, the other movie I'm doing is American Animals, uh, which are both inspired by really weird uh, true stories. Tag and American Animals, um, but this being a true story, I was thinking, you know. With American Animals, one thing about that movie is uh, it does this thing where where they actually involve the real people sure. um, th that 
did the thing. And in Tag, we get it at the end during the credits. We get some footage of the real people. I think Tag would have uh, benefited from that device if they could have thought of that ahead of time and somehow incorporated the real people into it. I think it would have brought like a lot of life to the movie. Yeah, because I think because the, and this was a common complaint against the movie is that like tonally it wasn't positive what it was aiming for. Um, yeah. Like how like with, like. The problem, like, like that's a movie that I feel like would have done really good being entirely cynical or entirely heartfelt. Like, I, I would have been totally fine watching Tag be mostly a feel-good, non-cynical movie of just dudes pranking each other. Um, you know, let's fucking throw Jackass on the list or something like that. Um, I've never right, seen right. Jackass, but it seems like that's kind of in vain. <laughs> I've literally never seen any jackass ever, um, any of that giant. I'm not, like, super into the whole, like, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos thing and all that stuff. Um, right, right. Like, people being hit in the, like, usually doesn't make me laugh very much. Um, but yeah. this movie, I did appreciate that. That, uh, that did make me laugh at that quite a bit, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been good. I, I really do like when movies then do show the real people during the credits and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's always a fun thing to get to like see and know what it is without having to go, uh, you know, bring up Wikipedia on your walk to the car. You know, <laughs> it's good to get a little, a little input yeah, before. Yeah, and uh, I've been meaning to read that article anyway. But it was funny how much going into the movie, I already knew a couple of the scenes that had happened in real life, like the funeral and stuff like that. But it was crazy to see that some of the weirder scenes from the movie actually did happen. Like the the golf cart chase through the woods and like throwing golf balls as distractions. And then sure enough, they show <laughs> video footage of, yeah, those guys just actually did that. And it, ma it made yeah, a lot more sense really in real life that it was like 10 people. Um, because I yeah. feel like otherwise, like, like if in, in that moment where Nick, uh, Jack, Jack Johnson, Jake Johnson's character opens the door and sees uh, Ed Helms, wife, Isla Fisher there, like, how would you like it took him like 45 seconds to understand, oh, I'm about to be tagged. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> your friends would never visit you in May unless they were going to tag you. <laughs> like the right? minute you yeah. open that door, I don't care how <laughs> high you are. You should have immediately slammed the door and like locked yourself in your panic room. Yeah. <laughs> What movie yeah, that's was that that's whole chase scene an homage to? It kept cutting to the face cam a lot. Um, that like that seemed kind of borny, but the Bourne movies don't do that, right? I don't think they do the like stabilized I'm not camera. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about I think that. End, End of Watch did that a little amount. Um, I was sure, I, that felt like that whole movie was an. I'm sure I've seen it somewhere. Specific, that whole scene was an homage to a specific movie. Uh, especially because right. the very cliche, like barging in through someone else's apartment, climb on the fire escape kind of thing. But the way it yeah. cut to the, the stabilized head cam a lot just for that scene definitely made me think that was an homage to a very specific movie of some sort. But, so uh, th this is a little something about me here. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it's maybe the 111 degree heat here in Vegas <laughs> or the fact that it's pretty early right now. 
Um, but my brain must not be working exactly because when I just brought up the whole thing about uh, uh, based on a true story and yeah. uh, American animals, that is something I planned on bringing up uh, here in the episode towards the yeah. end of the episode. But that's not the thing my mouth was opening to say. It's okay. <laughs> weird. I basically my brain went to a totally different note. <laughs> you just um, immediately wanted to advertise another episode of this show because that's your basis so. to sell out. <laughs> I, I really was going to bring that up uh, as we were closing up, but um, but uh, no, the thing that I was actually going to mention. <laughs> God, my my brain is just melting here. It's the heat. Uh, <laughs> the thing I was going to mention, it was because you were talking about uh, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Uh, and I saw Tag at the same day back to back with um, Ocean's Eight. Yeah. And I think it's funny that I saw two movies back to back that were so unbelievably surface level and would be so hard to do a piecing it together episode about. Um, that was the transition I was going to make there. And so I'll just bring it up now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we, we obviously were able to come up with a whole bunch of stuff for tag yeah. and I'm sure we'd be able to for oceans eight as well sure. if we wanted to. Um, but really when it comes down to it, there wasn't a lot going on under the surface no. that, you know, it, it, the movies are what they are, yeah. you know, plain and simple, uh, inspired by their own, uh, genres basically. Yeah. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this was a, I feel like it's been a while since I see talking, since I've seen people in all of the reviews mentioning the high conceptness of, a, of a, a, a blockbuster comedy movie, which is, this was sort of supposed to be that, right, um, right. you know, I, I don't, I don't think this is on track to be super successful. Um, no. which is weird because like it, I, I haven't seen game night, which I know you've seen, and I'm yeah, pretty love... sure I'm pretty sure Game Night is by the horrible bosses guys. I'm pretty sure that is. is a job. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, weirdly enough, the reason I didn't see Game Night is because the only commercial I saw, I genuinely couldn't tell if it was a comedy or if it was like one of those commercials where they were just being funny in the first half because the second half of the commercial <laughs> was nothing but like action and intrigue. So I really yeah. didn't know if it was like how sometimes uh, horror movies, like the first half of the commercial will be very, very lighthearted. And then it's like, psych, no, you're in a horror movie. So I didn't even realize yeah. the only reason I thought Game Night might actually be a comedy was because Jason Bateman was in it. Like right, I literally right, yeah. avoided it because I didn't know the genre and I didn't want to see it if it wasn't a comedy. And I didn't care enough to like Google the genre of the movie. <laughs> It's actually really funny. It does follow a lot of horror beats, and and yeah. it's got a lot of scares and stuff. But it all just adds to the comedy and like the uncomfortableness of it. It's, it's it was really a fun. Yeah, because I I got the feeling that I don't know how similar the movies actually are, but I got the feeling that this was supposed to be the next Game Night, which is not like yeah. a like a juggernaut movie, but like a, a semi cynical, semi kids having fun kind of. R-rated horror movie. Um, sorry, yeah. comedy movie. Um, yeah. We're back into our hereditary uh, review all of a sudden. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I was I, – that movie did pretty well. So it looks like Tag is not going to do as well as um, as uh, as uh, Game Night did, which, which yeah. is a shame. I, I actually, at the end of the day, I really enjoyed Tag. Like I feel like almost every moment of the movie – could have been better. Like almost every joke, I felt like sure, you could you could absolutely. tweak this a little 
like 10% and it would land significantly better. Um, and it was weird. Like, like it was so consistent that I feel like it has to have been on purpose. Like that, that was just the style the dude was going for. Um, but yeah, I, I I know you, you thought it was better than you were expecting walking into it, but you like really didn't want to see it at all. I I had a lot of fun. It was definitely one I was glad I saw in theaters because the audience was laughing quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I don't give enough credit to seeing comedy movies in crowded theaters. I don't do that very often anymore. Um, and I forget how fun it can be to be surrounded by it a can bunch of people. Be very fun. And and like I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why the physical comedy hit with me is because like even if like a dude getting hit by a log is like whatever, five hundred people laughing at a dude getting hit by a log and me part of it suddenly it's a lot more fun to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's sort of the moral of the story of Tag as well. You just stop being an adult sometimes and lay back and have some stupid fun. Uh, so I, I, Look I did enjoy that quite a bit. Like that, that was a good thing that that movie did for me. So I, I know we didn't necessarily do the like, well, what did you think of the movie part there? But I'm definitely going to say I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think you should see it, especially if you like some of the actors or characters in it. John Hamm, if you're hearing this, please give me a call. We'll work something out. Uh, I assume he <laughs> listens to this podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. I haven't followed There's... your download numbers in a while, but I can only assume they're in the like seven digits by now, and that John Hamm is definitely one of them. So, <laughs> of course, no one of else, course. just him. Like, not even that. Like a bunch of famous people. It's like just John Hamm and a bunch of like your work <laughs> friends. Like, yeah, that, that's that's the tagline of the show. Yeah. John Hamm's favorite podcast. <laughs> you just gotta get him to say it once. We just gotta start. We just gotta start tweeting at him, asking if we can like get a pull quote from him. To you know what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that immediately after this episode goes up. By the way. So that's our conversation about tag. It's a truly ridiculous movie. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Not great, but it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, it just came out last Friday. It might still be in theaters. I mean, who knows at this point? Uh, didn't exactly do great, but, uh, you know, I, I think it'll probably find a little bit of life uh, on home video because people love ridiculous movies, you know, so why not? Um, but yeah, that was a fun episode to do. Um, again, later this week, we are going to be doing an episode on American animals, uh, continuing this week of really crazy, over-the-top, true-life stories. Um, so make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together. You can subscribe on any podcast app, pretty much. Um, if there's a podcast app you like to listen on that you don't see us on, please let us know. So that way we can make sure we get added to it. But we are on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, which is a new thing. Uh, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. And you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at PiecingPod. Um, so definitely make sure to do that get in touch with us and join our facebook group piecing it together a movie discussion group and we definitely want to know what you're thinking of the show so please send us some feedback you can email me directly at by david rosen at gmail.com or just tweet at me um or tweet at the show or come right in that group and comment and let, let us know what you're thinking uh we want to get some more feedback from you guys and we really appreciate you all out there listening um Leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you get a chance. And other than that, 
Listen to the other shows on the All Points West Network, Bird Road and Entredose. And we'll be back later this week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Oh, and one more thing before I forget. Um, normally, when I talk about my music career on this show, I'm only going to be talking about my real music, my composing for films, my instrumental music albums that I put out under my own name, David Rosen. Uh, but this week I put out something kind of special. <laughs> uh, my buddy Demise and I, we have a comedy rap group called Demise and D-Rocks. Most of you know about that already, but if you don't know about it, now you do. And there's a bunch of other comedy rap out there uh, that I'm a part of as well. But uh, Demise and D-Rocks, we just decided to put out a special one-off single uh, that we we made the day after the president announced the Space Force program. And the single is called Space Force Anthem. It's a truly ridiculous song, and I made a little music video to go along with it that's on YouTube. And since that's the new thing, I figured I might as well play it here on the show. So, yeah, this is a little different from everything else I usually play, but enjoy. Set a course for the stars. The whole universe is ours. We own everything from our backyards to Mars. We are American, so it all belongs to us, of course. You know who we be. We be the motherfucking Space Force. world yo and we stay rocking shit until it's time for our furlough dropping bombs on anyone who tries to fuck around we don't care if you're blue or green or scaly or even brown we bring it freedom to the universe don't care if they want it we be smashing in the planets like asteroids and comets and you know we sending laser beams right through your cranium we gonna blow up everything and take all of your unattainium the stars the whole universe is ours we own from our backyards to Mars We are Americans, so it all belongs to us Of course, you know who we be We be the motherfucking Space Force Stars, the whole universe is ours We own everything from our backyards to Mars We are Americans, so it all belongs to us Of course, you know who we be We be the motherfucking Space Force George Lucas told us this would happen one day We're here to say today's a day It's gonna be great, yo, I can't wait, uh our fate. It's about time the president put laser cannon shooting mocks be racing space cruisers into budget. Fuck it, I'll enlist in the space force and I'ma love it. I'm about to tell my boss to take this job and fucking shove it. I'ma fight for the republic with a Wookiee as my wingman. To win his Wookiee thing, man. Demising pilot of the galactical flying Set demon. Of for the stars, the whole universe is ours. We own everything from our backyards to Mars. We are Americans, so we're all the
and all points west. 